0: Soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, and you didn't realize there was all this to salvation, did you? <laughs> when you got saved, but um, again, the big outline, just for sake of the recording, if people listen, you know, and one thing or another, regeneration, under the doctrines of salvation, doctrines plural of salvation, we see regeneration, repentance, somewhere in here. There it is. Regeneration, repentance, and then I believe it's faith. There it is, there's faith. And after faith was justification. And then after justification, then we are in E, and that is sanctification. And like we have heard, we heard last time around, there are, peace is a sanctification that kind of paralleled the justification part, uh, but uh, sometimes it is just a little bit different, and so on and so forth. And under sanctification, we had seen the meaning of it, uh, and then we've seen the period of it, and that's where we, we got through most of that last time. We did stop at, at, at number three. So there was the initial stage of justification, or maybe we did get all through of it. Uh, no, no, we didn't. So we we seen uh, the initial stage, which is contemporaneous. Contemporaneous. There we go. With conversion, so that that instant that uh, conversion happens, we see the initial stage. Then we see a progressive stage, contemporaneous with the believer's earth life. So as we walk this life, then there are some it's some growing to do, some putting on and putting off things, and and growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And a lot of our sanctification is, and you'll see this tonight, uh, comes from the Word of God and following its precepts. And then the final stage, which is where we're going to get to, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 3 to get started off with. In fact, I need to turn there. The one problem I have with this this book, the outline that we're using, is Mr. Bancroft. Whether it's him or the publishers, I don't know, but he, sometimes he feels that another version says it a little bit plainer. And uh, so I, don't, I always read uh, the King James Amen. and always ignore the other version. Ugh. And so, for, and then this particular one, and most of the time he, he references the King James. Every now and then, like I said, he references this other one. So, First uh, Thessalonians three <clears throat> is where we're going to be. I <clears throat> we'll have to get me a drink of water. All right. So the final stage is contemporaneous with the coming of Christ. So the first one is contemporaneous at salvation. The second one, the progressive stage, contemporaneous with our believers' earthly life. And the final stage of sanctification is the contemporaneous with the coming of Christ. So verses 12 and 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Even our Father, here's when it happens, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. All right? So to the end, talking about the Lord, the Lord make you increase and abound in love. And then to the end, may he, that's the Lord still referring to him, may he establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So it says, see also, or see further, First, Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, verse 25, let see. All right, and the very, let's go back, let's just go all them little bitty verses there. Um, verse 15, because just, we, we just read, may he establish love one toward another and then the verse number 15 of chapter, or verse, of chapter 5, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesyings. prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he is doing the sanctifying, and it's unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, contemporaneous with his coming. So there's a part of our sanctification that happens then, all right? And we talked about the grave and going to the grave uh, as a saved person, uh, going to the grave, waiting for the adoption to wit, <laughs> you know, uh, waiting for that, that uh, our bodies to be reconcil- reconciled because we're still in this stinking, rotten, sinful flesh, but one of these days, it's going to be reconciled. And then we are going to be wholly sanctified. And that's what it's getting at, too. And that's at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Woo! Then we which are alive and remain shall be changed. We're going to be called up, changed in the twinkling of an eye. So, so the fact that they're getting up out of the grave, they're getting up with those those glorified bodies, and then we're going to be changed. If we're alive and remain, we're going to be changed and that's why we're going to lie to that glorified body. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, sanctified. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so that's something we got to look forward to. You know, and oftentimes we, when we fail and we, we look in the mirror and the Holy Spirit is chasing us and we just are miserable uh, in, in, in our failure, to follow the lord then 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 in, in if we will get to thinking about just one of these days we won't we won't have that body we won't have that wrestling of the flesh and and so on and so forth it kind of helps us out it helps to put in some of that bal that balm of Gilead in in that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine, and that's a foretaste of glory divine. We sing that tonight, amen, and so uh so we have the internal Holy Spirit just giving us that little taste of what is to come. What a blessing that that is. All right, so uh, let's see. We'll just skip. I mean, we had that see further. There's more to run. but well, we're not going to do that because I want to try to get through at least this, this part here. All right, so this stage has to do with the completion and perfection of the believer's sanctification. He then will be entire wanting nothing like Christ in all things. He will be completely freed from sin and perfected in holiness. Here's the doctrinal statement behind that that section. There, sanctification begins at the at the inception of the believer's salvation. It or is uh, coextensive with his life on earth, and will reach its climax and perfection when Christ returns. Hallelujah! All right, so there is the what was it the that was the period, the period of sanctification. And now, number three, Roman numeral three, the manner. Here's where we're going to get to the word. The manner of sanctification. And <clears throat> some of these points I already hit on Sunday. The manner of sanctification. Like other aspects of the believer's salvation, sanctification is accomplished in a twofold way. There is a part which God only can and does take, and there is a part assigned to man for which he is responsible. All right, number one, on the divine side, this is what God takes care of. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see his working in our sanctification. All right, so First Thessalonians, number five, we were right there, and we've done read, well, we read 23. Let's read 23 and 24. So, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Who's doing the sanctifying? God is. All right. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. All right. So... You know, uh, he's still working on me, and he is going to accomplish what he set out. He's not going to leave you half undone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, he's, you know you're, you're a vessel, and again, that goes back to, and we're going to see it here and again, Romans 12, 1 and 2, but we're a vessel, our bodies and our minds, like we pointed out on Sunday night, we're a vessel in his hands, and he's molding us. We pulled out the, the vase, and he's molding us and making us, shaping us. And the more pliable we are, the easier it is on us. The If we will just be yielded to him and just let him work and let him guide and let him direct and just seek his. seek His. In fact, I used this on Jesse the other day. Uh, and uh, I, I was going to use it. Sunday, but I don't think I run that reference there, <clears throat> but um, Proverbs chapter 3, just remind you, verse number 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That's, that's, that, yielded, that's that yieldedness to him. And just, again, seek him in every aspect of our lives and pray and just let him guide. He'll guide you right. It's when we take control of the wheel. I know you want to reference that song, but you know where I'm going. And then, you know, my uh, my mom had, uh, she didn't like that, that little license plate, God is my co-pilot. You know, that means I, you know, I'm in control, and when I mess up, he'll take over. No, that ain't way. <laughs> it ought not to be that way. It should be, God is my pilot. In fact, she found, she, finally, she found the license plate. They said, God is my pilot. She put that on her front car, on the front of her car. Yeah. And, uh, because, um, and so oftentimes, that's exactly the way we are, though. We have that co-pilot mentality with God. We mess up here. We need some help over here, God. No, we need to let him, just every aspect of our lives, just like Proverbs 3 there, 5 and 6, trust in him, acknowledge him, allow him to direct us in our paths, and just don't make any moves. Going back to Sunday morning, don't make any moves without him, all right? And, and seek his will, and you get his word on it. Have the spirit of God that will you know, try the spirits and his, let his spirit bear witness with your spirit that that is what he wants you to do. Uh, and uh, that's where he, you know, uh, he's gotten. Um, one of the things that Brother Hall used to say as far as visitation, I do know churches around here, churches we know, preachers that I've, I'm, you know, come to love and want to fellowship with a little bit more, you know, they do have that weekly visitation that they go out and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, to go out with an invitation, hey, we'd like to invite you to church, nothing wrong with that. And, and and of course, you know some of them, uh, others in the area, and others that we know of. Not necessarily the ones that that uh, that I was thinking about, but you know the ones that will try to get you know the screen door, you know, get you to believe in a few facts, and then try to lead you into prayer. I was we were traveling, and I, it's again just a blur. I'm trying to think. It was when me and my brother was traveling. I think it was at my dad's funeral. There was a man outside of Lowe's truck stop, and he had these little cards, and yeah, they would take these pennies, and they would you know punch punch the cross out of the penny, and give you the penny for your pocket. So like a little lucky or a little reminder. I won't say a lucky charm, but a little reminder when you put your When you put your hand in your pocket and you felt the penny with the cross punched out in it, you know you could pray or just know that the Lord was with you. Kind of that kind of a little reminder. And then, uh, but he had these. But then the little punches—they actually take the punches and they put on another another penny. So you had a penny with a punch out of it, or penny with a uh, a whole penny with a cross glued to it. Anyway, it was on this little card, and you know the first part of the card was great. Had a good good scriptures, real good scriptures and everything, but you flipped it over on the back, and it just led you into that little prayer, and so on and so forth. And I was reading it again. I I, I, I took one from this old Vella and, um, and then um, put it over on the chest in my closet, and I seen it there the other day, and actually picked it up and read it, and flipped it over on the back, and it was just going through all that now if you if you prayed this prayer you know and if you or if you've said these words and this that another nothing about the Holy Spirit drawing you nothing about being sorry for your sin or, or anything like that and uh, nothing about um, that godly sorrow and so on and so forth and so uh, anyway so there was that and and uh, yeah, where did I get off on that? I don't even know. But uh, the Lord working in our hearts, I guess. So, the, yeah, God, the, the, the Spirit, there we go. Uh, God working in and sanctifying us, holy and faithful. He's gonna, that's where I got off on it. He will do it. He's going to work on us. He's going to complete the work that he begins in us. Secondly, the work of the, Christ the Son in Ephesians. Yeah, I got off on that. He's still working on me. But he's working on us. He's going to complete what he begins. And then in Ephesians, the son is also working in our sanctification. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify. Who's doing the sanctifying? Christ is doing the sanctifying. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Amen. All right, so God the Father is sanctifying. God the Son is sanctifying. And then well, let's do see further here real quick. Let's go we'll grab Hebrews chapter 10. Grab this one. Hebrews 10, 10, uh, by the will, by the which will, <laughs> Woo. let's back up, let's see here. Uh, yeah, let's go back to five, uh, no, let's go back to four. For it, is not imp- not, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God, above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hath pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So you understand the sacrifice, but it was in Christ sanctifying, all right, by his body. And then the work of the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians two and I think that's a thirteen, verse number thirteen. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Let's go ahead and grab the rest of the sentence. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the Spirit working in our sanctification. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all working in the various aspects of our sanctification. Uh, our, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> being cleaned, uh, cleaned up, sanctified, becoming holy. All right. Then let me grab. Let's just go ahead and grab that other one. I'll see further here on the work of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. First Peter, <clears throat> First Peter one. In verse number 2, let's grab verse number 1 for the sentence sake. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a stranger to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So, by, through, and unto. All right. All right. So, there's that See further there. All right. Let's see here. So, as God in the old dispensation set the firstborn apart to himself, so God in the new dispensation sets apart the believer unto himself and separates him from sin. It is, however, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who does this each person performing his respective part. God the Father planned it, God the Son provided it, and God the Holy Spirit performs it. I like that. God the Father planned it, God the Son provided it, and God the Holy Spirit performs it. So it was by the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice, that we obtain sanctification. But the Spirit of God who now dwells within us works within us to get the job done. Now here's the human side of it. That's God's side of it. Now here's our part. Whew. We've got to do something? Yes, we do. All right, we got to believe. So the first number one here is faith. All right, so our part. On the human side, it is by faith in Christ's redemptive work. So Acts chapter 26. Acts 26 verse, uh, let's go to 16, it's verse number 18 where we're trying to get to, but let's read, it's all in red. So 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and he witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. So the believer is sanctified our part by faith in Jesus Christ. All right. See further 1 Corinthians 1. There's a whole bunch of references, but I pick out a couple here. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 30. Again, our the believer has to believe. <laughs> Uh, let's see here, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. All right, so we have to have faith. As a believer appropriates Christ and his redemptive work by faith, he becomes sanctified experimentally. For example, he is actually separated from sin and set apart unto God. So we're not wholly sanctified yet. That comes at the beginning, at the coming of Christ. But we're set apart to the sanctification process by our faith in the redemptive work of Christ. Ooh, yeah, we're headed that way. All right, Mr. Marsh, and he gives... I meant to look these up. We could run the reference. Uh, have we got time? Yeah, I think we do. So let's turn to seven. Uh, let's see, John, uh, Romans 1. So Mr. Mars says, It is by faith we live. Romans 1, verse 17. It is by faith that we live. Uh, Romans 1 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It is by faith we walk, Second Corinthians 5 uh-huh. and verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, well, let's back up 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. So the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. Um, So it is by faith we live, by faith we walk, by faith we stand, Second Corinthians 1, 24. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. By faith we fight, 1, Corinthians, or 1 Timothy 6. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, they hold on eternal life, whereinto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And then finally, by faith we overcome. First John 5 and verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. So again, I'll just read the thing without the rep- scripture references. It is by faith we live, by faith we walk, by faith we stand, by faith we fight, by faith we overcome. All right. So then that the, again, the believer appropriates Christ and his redemptive work by faith. He becomes sanctified experimentally. All right. Secondly, how, what, uh, how are we sanctified? One. Is by faith. Our part is believing. Secondly, is by the Word of God. Brother Glenn was just in John 17, verse 17 Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So the Word sanctifies us, all right? The Word sanctifies us. See further, John 15, verse number 3. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. All right, so the Word of God. Uh, The Word of God read, believed, and obeyed is an effective means of the believer's sanctification. So faith, the Word of God, by faith, by the Word of God... And then thirdly, by a complete dedication of life. We read it Sunday. A p- complete dedication of life. Again, think about it Sunday night as we go through it. Body and mind. Body and mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our sanctification comes by our faith, by the word of God, by complete dedication of life. Fourthly, by submission to divine discipline. Hebrews chapter 12. By submission to divine discipline. We're talking about laying on of the rod all right that discipline by submission to divine and when i said at the beginning of this when we are pliable yielded to him not when he has to jerk us up <laughs> and bust our tail ends to get us to do what he wants us to do there's a difference there did he get did he get did he get you did you do what he wanted you to do? Yes. But were you, were you freely moving at his bidding? Or did you it take a trip to the bottom of the sea in a whale's belly like Jonah. Jonah? Jonah still performed what God wanted him to perform? It just took him a while to get there. And it took him saying that he was taken to hell. He says what it felt like. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, um, by submission to divine discipline, Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own, talking about our earthly fathers, after their own pleasure. But he. For our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And again, submission to his discipline. Submission to his discipline. And discipline is not always the rod or the belt or the... Hot Wheels racetrack, <laughs> or the paddle, <laughs> or the switch. All right, <laughs> I've had them all. all right. <laughs> discipline is not always that. Discipline could just be a good chastening with a finger pointing, and you know Daddy's not happy. That could be discipline. Standing in the corner. You say, well, what does that do? Well, when you're standing in the corner, you're separated, right? You're separated from the fellowship of all your friends and your brothers and sisters that's outside you here playing. I wish I was out there. You're separated looking in the corner with your nose in the corner. You're separated from the fellowship of mama and daddy. So oftentimes when we sin, it's not necessarily a Chastening rod, it could just be, a, you know, the, the, the fellowship is pulled away to the point where you get to really, 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 really wanting that fellowship. There was a preacher, uh, he's, he retired his church. Well, brother, it's China Grove, for those that listen to WSOF the other day, China Grove Baptist Church in North Carolina, used to be John Melton. And then now he he resigned. I think he's still in the church, but somebody is taking it over as pastor. But Brother Melton, you know, working at the radio station, I heard all of them. heard all of them day in and day out, all the messages. And that's why (laughs) I I draw on all of those things. But Brother John Melton talked about when one of his boys got up and decided he didn't want to follow Daddy's rules anymore. Brother Mountain said, okay, I'll pay the deposits on your apartment. And went and paid the deposits on all the utilities, and deposits on the you know, first month's rent on the apartment and put him in it. So that you want out of my house, there you go. It's on you now. You got it, you know. So he had to pay the bills, and so on and so forth. You know how it goes. But when the boy finally came around to himself. I heard him testify on Brother Milton's broadcast. He said, and he he testified of all that. He said, you know, he said, one of the, the, he goes, one of the biggest things that got him was pride that just wouldn't let him. He said, I knew that I needed to get right with mom and daddy. And I knew that I needed to get right with God. I knew I needed to get right with the church. And he said, but my pride, I just could not, would not swallow the pride. And he said, I would sit on Sunday afternoon in my apartment, crying, knowing what they were doing, knowing what their Sunday morning routine was. They were going to go to church. They were going to go back to to mom and daddy's house. Mama had a good meal. It was going to be fellowship around the table. And he goes, and that's the biggest thing that got me was under conviction because i I missed that fellowship of mom and daddy I missed the fellowship of the church missed the fe- all that fellowship because that's what, that's what finally brought me to my knees. He said when I finally swallowed my pride, but you know uh submission to that just you know at, when we've done wrong, take the licks. But it could be you know, a discipline on this is what you need to be doing. I'm kind of having that conversation with older children and have had it through the years. Not so much because they're out of my house. I can't say this is the way it's going to be my way or the highway because you're paying your own bills now. <laughs> you're, you're off on your own, but I can make suggestions of the, the direction they should be going. And then pray that they will take those directions. Pray heartily that they'll take those directions. And pray that the things that they've seen and was raised in and the things that they knew in life, that they will turn back to those things. It's a difficult place to be as a daddy of older children because you, you (laughs) you know they're on that path. You know what's at the end of that path. You can warn them what's at the end of that path. But you can't take them off that path. they got to take themselves off that path. You know, they could, they could yield to the, the teachings of daddy, the teachings of God that they were raised under. The, the Bible talks even about the law of mama, <laughs> the law of their mother here in Proverbs. And they could yield to that, and it's so much easier when they just... Fall under the discipline. It's so much easier when we fall upon the discipline. Again, it might not be. And then I also heard this example one time said that, and uh, I might have used this here before, where you know when we're when we're being when we're being swatted, when we're at the full extent of daddy's arm or mama's arm, and they got the. You know, the big, the little brother was that, you know, running away from the discipline. Big brother had learned if he get in closer here and was just right here, mom and daddy couldn't swat as much as they could when they were out here. You know, just a, when you're being disciplined, right there, just yeah, when you're being disciplined, draw closer to daddy. When we're being disciplined spiritually, draw closer to God the Father. <laughs> It's a, lot, it's a lot better on us than when we're running away from the discipline. <clears throat> if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof ye are partakers, or whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, when we have had fathers of the flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather in subjection or be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Let's read it again. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit that He might that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So, by submission to discipline, by faith, by the word of God, this is, this is sanctification, our part, by complete dedication of life, by submission to divine discipline. And then it goes on to say, Mr. Bancroft says, we become partakers of God's holiness through the, administration of chastisement by our Heavenly Father and our submission to the same, and finally, by the renunciation of sin and the pursuit of holiness. We have to renounce sin, and we have to pursue holiness. Romans six, eighteen and 19. Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, so or even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. I believe I was I preached right of that same scripture a few about uh, who's playing you <laughs> and that being yielded there. So here's a couple of last statements. We are sanctified by self-judgment, personal renunciation of sin, and pursuit of holiness. We have to understand what sin is. And 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 I might, I've been this week, it's already I don't know if it's coming up Sunday or not, but sin is not only what we know to do, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him is sin. If you don't but then on the flip side of it you know it's it's knowing that it's it's not doing what you know is wrong but it's also not doing what, what you know that's that's right to do and 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 having that understanding when when it comes your way, just uh put it away what does it say with all malice I mean just serious a putting away of that, running away from it, like Joseph did. Lie with me. Nope. <laughs> Not only would it be wrong against your husband and my master, but most of all, it would displease my God. And he ran away from it. He ran to righteousness, away from sin, and that's the way we've got to be. Here's the doctrinal statement. I'm done. Sanctification is affected as the believer works out his own salvation in the consciousness of the divine in working. So we working it out, but the divine is working on the end. (laughs) So when he says, this is what you need to be doing, you say, you agree with God, yes, and you do it. When he says, you don't need to be doing that, you agree with God, and you cut that out of your life. And that's that sanctification, that progressive sanctification sanctification in this life, but then it's all going to come to whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole fruition when the Lord comes back. Hallelujah. All right, and that's the lesson tonight. Let's pray.